Welcome back, everybody, to episode 24 of the All Access USL podcast. This is the second part of the transfer roundup from yesterday. Obviously, yesterday, a whole bunch of transfers that we had to go through from before and after Christmas, and we're continuing that today, as well as another season review, this time the Colorado Springs switchbacks, which was a very interesting one to go back and look upon. To say the least, I kind of forgot how indifferent their season really was. They were very good at times, but some points that we'll get to were not so great, as well as obviously the big sale of Haji Berry um, that we will talk about as well. So that is what we have for today. We're going to jump right into the transfers because I don't have anything really to say. I covered a lot of what I wanted to get out um before we started talking yesterday so mainly we just have the transfers and the season review for today it might be a bit of a shorter episode but we'll see how much time this takes so we're just going to jump right into the transfers the first one is joshua dolling from st louis city 2 to new mexico united 25 appearances nine goals and three assists for the forward he seems a good backup option obviously uh, New Mexico United did pick up Greg Hurst, who seems to be the number one forward there at the moment. But I like Dolling. I believe he's still 25, so he's still got probably seven or eight years in the league. You can, I mean, USL Championship, just like any other league, the like median age of when someone retires is not really set in stone. So he could go for maybe four or five more seasons. He could easily probably go till 33 or 34. But he's still got a good amount of time left and will seemingly still have time to grow. But right now, I think he's a good backup option. He did spend last season uh, at St. Louis City 2, who made it to the MLS Next Pro playoffs in the league's first season from that Western side. Um, And he is also a product of the Burnley and Blackburn Rovers Academy. So bringing more of that English um, heritage to New Mexico, which I think um, will treat them well. And back to that St. Louis uh, City aspect, I was able to watch. Um, I know he did not start in the MLS Next Pro Final because I was at the MLS Next Pro Final at Lower.com Field. I because you know I'm a I do watch MLS. I'm a Columbus Crew fan, so I do watch Columbus Crew too as well. Uh, and I try to keep my biases clear, so I do not support any USL Championship team. But Dolan did not start there, so the one time I could have seen him play in person, unfortunately, didn't happen. But he does seem like a good option for USL Championship. It's still not quite clear how um, ability in MLS Next Pro will apply to ability in the USL Championship, but we'll have to see. But I wouldn't think it's unfair to say to maybe expect four to five goals from Dowling if he maybe gets... um, maybe 10, 11 appearances from the bench. I think that'd be a good return for what New Mexico United want or have got. I think that'd be a good return for what New Mexico United have picked up in Joshua Dolling. So interested to see how that goes and interested to see how New Mexico United season goes as a whole. Next up, we have Curtis Thorne from the South of Georgia tormented to Miami FC. 25 appearances, one goal, one USL League one, with Tormenta, and he is only capable of playing right back. 
So not one of those players who can play up and down the right side like Segbers can. I think Curtis Thorne will be Segbers' backup because Miami do have good options on that right side. But he is obviously, again, another very viable option. So coming up, I like that a lot for Miami. Um, and Segbers had 34 appearances, two goals, two assists. And he can play, like I said, all positions down the right-hand side. Um, I don't see how Segbers would get ahead of Perez on that right side should they continue with the formation that they had last season. So I think it will be Perez and Segbers and then Curtis Thorne behind. But that's not bad. Curtis Thorne still, again, 27, probably got about five, six more seasons than him. Good backup option who still has time to grow. Now, granted, the turnover rate in the USL Championship is pretty, um, pretty big. It's pretty big. So players are always looking to find that next contract. And if Thorne can be a good backup, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't want to stay in Miami, especially because they were they were decent last year. I have been giving them some. I haven't been cutting them much slack purely because they're tactically last year. They were kind of boring to watch. But this year, it seems like they're going to be a lot more fun. Could be even better than sixth in the East this year. But that all depends on what Anthony Pulis can get out of this team. But I think Curtis Dorn is another good pickup for Miami. And they have more on this list that we will get to. So we have Curtis Dorn from the South Georgia Tormenta, the USL League One, Championship, League One Champions to Miami FC. Next up is a player that I do not know much about. There's not much info on him anywhere, but Juan Ramirez joins the midfield corps at Loudoun United. And it's interesting to see how this Loudoun United team will shape up this season. We're not really expecting much from them, but with Williamson up top from Minnesota United too, could be a bit of a, not really sleeper, but could be an underrated striker heading into the season. If he hits double digits, I think it's an absolute win for Loudoun on that pickup could maybe even move up to that DC United first team. I think that's the plan. I think that's obvi that's obviously the plan for a lot of these players because they're all fairly young. They clearly see something in them and they want to them to be sent up to the DC United um, MLS squad. So we'll see how it goes. Not expecting much from that United, but always have to um, just talk about the signings that they make because they are still in this league. So Juan Ramirez to Loudoun United for a midfield role. Next up, we have Elliot Collier from San Antonio FC to the San Diego Loyal. Now, I do kind of question this pickup because I don't really see how Elliot Collier fits. 25 appearances, 5 goals um, in San Antonio. He's definitely more of a target man. He is pretty skillful on the ball, but with how tall he is, I see him more as a target man purely because he's not that mobile and a very capable player on his day. Was a role player in San Antonio. Um, I can't see him taking that same role with San, with San Diego because I do not see him getting over Moshebani, Conway, Among, or Nick Moon purely because of he is not like any of them. He is completely different from all four of those players. And I think they like Moshebani, Conway, Among, um, and Moon. But it seems like Collier will just be that player where if they're down in the last 10 minutes, they send him on a big body in the box, can win headers, can throw his body around. He is going to be that guy. I don't think that's bad because Collier, I was, I'm 
I know I was expecting big things from him at San Antonio. Didn't really deliver, but I think he has found a better role in San Diego for sure. He can't play on both uh, wide mid positions as well, but that's not going to be needed because I don't believe San Diego play a formation that requires wide mids. So that's kind of out of the question for sure. And they also have capable wide mid options if they do need a wide mid formation. So don't see Collier being a starter necessarily, but I do see him being that aggressor when they are uh, down, if they are down late in a game and need someone to just throw their body around and win headers in the box. So Elliot Collier from San Antonio FC to San Diego Little, very interested to see how that one plays out. Uh, not expecting much, but obviously not expecting much. Very easy to beat my expectations. Next, we have Alex Lara from Las Vegas to Monterey Bay. And this is one of the signings that I think this is one of the signings of the offseason so far. Because Monterey Bay fill a huge need um, in center back and just adding to the back line in general. 33 appearances, one goal for uh, Las Vegas from Alex Lara. Adds much needed depth at center back. That is his main spot could very easily be a day one starter. And it will have to do work to help the second worst defense in the West in 2022. But this is definitely a good step and will help Monterey Bay massively. And I say this a lot. I say versatility a lot. But versatility in a league like the USL Championship where squad numbers are always low, it is important to have players who can play a variety of different positions and to have a player of Lars' quality, of his age, be able to play all across the back line is huge. Because this is... Monterey Bay might only have six or seven rostered defenders come uh, the start of the season. So to have players who can play different positions across the back line is huge. And Alex Lara is one of them. So I really like this pickup. And I think this is really helping Monterey Bay take a step forward. So big pickup, Alex Lara from Las Vegas to Monterey Bay. Next up, we have Juan Sebastian Palma from... Onsite Caldas slash free agency to the Charleston Battery. Only five appearances in 2022. A young center back option for a team looking to build a stronger back line than what they had in 22. The second worst defense in the league. So they have a lot to build upon. But I think bringing in Ben Perman from Memphis obviously is already making them a better defensive team. As well as the signings of Derek Dodson and someone who we will get to soon enough. Um, but... Palma, Palma can also play defensive midfield. And again, versatility is key in the league. Teams with all these teams are going to have pretty low squad numbers. So to have him be able to play center back and CDM is big. The one thing I don't really like about the Palma pickup is only 24 career appearances at 23. And he is coming over from, I believe, Columbia. It's a risky and an unproven player. It's interesting to see how it works out. I think with Perman. And his tactics, it's fair to say that they can take risks on a player like this defensively. But last year, if it were Connor Casey, I would say this is just a disaster waiting to happen. But I think Perman is definitely the right man to help grow uh, Juan Sebastian Palma for sure. So I think in the end, it will work out better than if it were somebody else in charge. Because I think Perman uh, is clearly more of a capable manager than Connor Casey or what we've seen from Charleston in the past. So I think this will work out well in the end. 
Next up, we have Ben Mines from MC, FC Cincinnati to Miami FC. Only the three appearances with the one goal with the switchbacks on loan. Signs long-term in Miami and is a great option to def- develop behind Paris or Valo. He is primarily a right-sided player for sure. But he can play Cam. That were that is where Valo was deployed um, mainly this season. Perez obviously on that right wing spot. Mines, I think, will be behind Perez for sure. He's a great young and dynamic right mid slash right winger and could definitely be in the league for a while. He's only 22 and he could very easily step back up to MLS. I believe he is a former MLS Super Draft pick as well. He's been bouncing around a little bit, but I like that he has seemingly finally found a home. He signs long-term in Miami. We'll see the strides he can make in 2023. If he becomes the starter, I think that's more, that could be a win, or that's just Paris has been playing very poor. But I think, should Mines be the starter, I think that just shows more so that Mines has been growing great, and that maybe Paris is starting to get phased out a little bit, because I think it is the hope that Mines can become number one this year and be a big player for Miami um, for years to come. I think that is the big hope here, clearly, because he signs long-term. So Ben Mines from FC Cincinnati to Miami FC on a long-term deal. Next up, we have a Joe Farrell from Phoenix to Pittsburgh. 31 appearances, one goal, one assist for Joe Farrell from that center back position. Has spent his whole career in Phoenix. So it's interesting to see him move, but he is moving closer to home, and he joins an already good Pittsburgh back line. But I see him as a viable starting option from the get-go for sure. And I made a bold prediction here, because Farrell, I think, speaks for himself. He's a good presence in the back line. He's going to be a leader, and he's going to be fantastic, I think, for Pittsburgh. Because Pittsburgh are going to be up probably towards third or fourth. I think Louisville and Tampa Bay are going to be first or second pretty clearly, but I think Pittsburgh will be around third or fourth once again. But I think Pittsburgh will maybe have the best defense in the uh, East. Possibly even the league. It's close because Louisville, they play the three at the back. They're very capable of getting caught out, even though Danny Cruz is a very good manager tactically, um, especially attacking-wise and controlling the midfield. But they do play that three at the back. Always going to be a bit susceptible to conceding. Um, and then Tampa Bay have always just had problems of conceding, but they are a good team, and they will, in my opinion, absolutely be up towards the top. But I think Pittsburgh will be able, will will concede 29 or less goals in 2023. I'm placing it now. That is what will happen. Pittsburgh will concede less or equal to 29 goals in 2023 because I like what they already have there, and I like this Joe Farrell pickup for sure. Next up, we have Dylan Mares from El Paso to Louisville. 30 games, 10 goals, 5 assists. That's a goal contribution in every other game. He can't play Cam in right mid, but he will likely play a center mid role um, if they keep the 4-3-3, which they should. It got them to the top of the East. It got them to the USL Championship Final. They're going to need to find that extra something, though, that they haven't had in a while if they really do want to win the USL Championship. But... Why change what really isn't broken? So I think a sentiment role is what is going to come for Dylan Mars. Um, but I put here, putting Mars behind a front line consisting of any of Cameron Lancaster, Wilson Harris, Eno Shmusha Glusa, 
or Brian Ownby will be deadly. And easily a starter, in my opinion. And I think easily 75-plus goals for Louisville in the regular season in 2023. How If they do damage in the playoffs, it's completely up to them and how they prepare. Because they this is the closest that they've gotten in a while. But I think they're going to roll the uh, regular season once again. So my prediction is 75-plus goals for Louisville in the regular season. And our last transfer to talk about is Trey Muse from Memphis to Loudon. 30 appearances, 32 goals conceded, and 8 clean sheets in his season on loan from Loudon with Memphis. He joins Ben Perman and Derek Dodson in leaving Memphis for Charleston. So it's a big, seemingly um, reconnection with his Memphis uh, counterparts at Charleston, which I like. If you find players who fit your system and you want to keep bringing them along for the ride, clearly do that. He likes what he sees in Derek Dotson. Trey Muse is still only 23 and is already a top shot stopper in the USL Championship. And he anchored one of the top defenses in the league in 2022. And they do have Kuzemka, but he's going to, Trey Muse is going to be the starter now that Kuzminski is gone. There's nothing about it. He is better than Kuzemka for sure. But I think Charleston definitely do have a top goalkeeping tandem in the league now with Trey Muse. So it'll be interesting to see how this all um, translates to their season um, upcoming. I'm still a bit iffy on them. Obviously, I like the moves they made. Perman, tactically, is very sound, but it's still Charleston. And after last year defensively, I still don't know what to expect. But things are absolutely looking up for sure. With that, that wraps up our transfers for today. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with our Colorado Springs Switchbacks season review. And we are back from our little break to talk about the Colorado Springs Switchbacks and the season gone by for them. Now, this is a Switchbacks team that a couple years ago was easily one of the worst teams in the league. But they increasingly had better recruitment, brought in a good quality manager, and just found what they needed. And I think the big piece was Haji Berry, who really came onto the scene into his own and found the goal-scoring prowess that Clearly, he knew he had because he, in 62 appearances with the switchbacks, 41 goals. That's the best way to put it. That's the best goal-scoring output he's had anywhere in his career. So to have a player like that and build around him really um, helped out Colorado Springs turn into the powerhouse that we kind of associate that they are now. So they finished third in the West, 17 wins, 13 losses, 4 draws. Not too bad. Good enough, again, for third in the West. Around, I believe, 17, 34, 51. That would be 55 points. 59 goals for 53 goals against. Uh, offensively, very good. Defensively, need work, for sure. That's something that they need to work on this upcoming season. Top goal scorer, Haji Berry, who did leave for Future FC in the Egyptian Premier League. And they would need a viable replacement for him. Who 
that will likely be, I honestly do not know. I haven't heard any rumors of who they plan on bringing in to replace Haji Berry, but they're going to need that if they want to continue to be successful. Um, and they're also going to need to find a good... I think they have, in their minds, found a good replacement for Elvis Amo and like Speedy Williams and the players that they've already brought in, but they really don't hold a candle to what Elvis Amo is and what he still can be. Because it seems like Elvis Amo will lead for Africa as well soon. So going to need to find replacements for them quickly. Um, especially Haji Berry with the 16 goals before he left for Future FC. Definitely not his best year after last year, but still incredible. And their top assisters this year, Haji Berry, Cam Lindley, and Mishi Ngalina, all three with nine. Now, Haji Berry, gone. That's 25 goal contributions gone that they need to replace. And Cam Lindley is gone, headed off to the Indy 11. So they need to find a holding defensive midfielder, and they need to find an out-and-out finishing striker. That's a lot to ask for. So a real breakdown is that they need work defensively and tactically, as that seemed to mar them a lot this year. 53 goals against for a third-place team in 34 games is not great. A lot of games finished with them conceding three goals, four goals, but they also scored two or three goals, and they found themselves in those games a bit too much. And they also hit roadblocks at certain points this season that you just wouldn't expect from them. The team, there were a lot of games this year where the team just wasn't clicking on the field. And I know that there were games, particularly in July, I picked two games out from July. And around this time, they were having a bit of an injury crisis. And I believe also a bit of a COVID crisis. Because I remember specifically one game where they only had one substitute. And I believe it was Jimmy Oxford on the bench. But two games that they really did not feel like themselves, clearly. And I didn't feel like I was actually watching the switchbacks. A 4-0 loss to Phoenix on July 30th. And, of course, we can't forget this is a Phoenix team with one of their worst seasons in recent history who absolutely pummeled the switchbacks. Probably Phoenix's best performance of the year. And a 3-2 home loss to San Diego on July 4th. So two games... There's also others like a 1-0 loss to El Paso when they were on a good run and a 2-0 loss to Hartford that really came out of nowhere. And of course, those games can come out of nowhere, but with a team that we expect to be really good and that we associate with high-pressing football and seemingly good defensive tactics, it really didn't show in these games, so we kind of have to question it a little bit. I'm excited for their 2023 season, though, and they should hopefully be towards the top of the West yet again. And we're also going to go through their playoffs. So, they did beat RGV 3-0 in the first round of the playoffs. That's pretty much a given. RGV snuck in towards the end. And the switchbacks did dispatch of them fairly easily. Easily. Uh, in the next round, they beat Sacramento 2-1 at home after extra time. Able to get the job done. This really tested the switchbacks as the team that we had seen throughout the season. There were games that they dominated, and there were games that they just fell short and didn't play to their standard. Because switchbacks were better than Sacramento. Sacramento did have good talent, but switchbacks, based clearly off the table and how they played, were better than Sacramento. And they found a way to get the job done. So big props to them for being able to do that against Sacramento. But in the end, they do fall to San Antonio 2-0 in the next round. The eventual champions in San Antonio. So I think it's fair to say that the best 
I mean, they did lose to Chamins, so I mean, what are you going to do there? Because the switchbacks were not going to win at all, even if they did somehow get through San Antonio. Because Louisville is just a different monster, and Louisville would have been hosting, and they just weren't going to get it done. So I think this was the farthest that they could have done, could have gone viably. Um, and I think they will be proud of that. I think next year they're going to want more. Um, based off of what they've brought in already, I'm not sure that's too possible. I think third, maybe not even third, I think fourth or fifth is fair for what they have based off of what they have already sold as well and haven't replaced. But I think the switchbacks will continue to be a good team in the West for at least next season. But they do need to make some replacements uh, for Barry and Amo soon. With that, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with the full um, list of re-signings. And then we'll also be back with more uh, season reviews, more transfers, stuff like that. So be on the lookout for that next Saturday. Because I think now that we're heading into January and we're almost about a month to a month and a half away, I believe from the season starting, I believe the season will be starting end of February, possibly beginning of March. So maybe even two months, but I think sat, uh, Saturdays is when to expect episodes. Now, not this upcoming Saturday, but next Saturday for the next episode, which will be like I just said, the um, big going over re-signings that we've seen so far and what to maybe expect from them. Um, more transfer news, more season previews, and then we can start to get into other things as the season nears. So thank you guys for listening to today's episode. And I will see you guys next Saturday for episode 25.